Hello, my lovelies. You are now listening to The Vow, Voice of Women. The intention of this podcast is to empower women through sharing of real life stories. We have a fab lineup of inspiring, kick-ass, real, dedicated women. We're going to get down and dirty. What has made these women successful? What makes them tick? How do they handle conflict? And what might they eat in a day? So here we go. Yagana Begisi. Yagana, welcome. Thank you, Tanya. As soon as you said that uh, you would come on my podcast, I was so excited because you have a really beautiful story and I truly believe that you are the voice of women and the voice of Afghan women that aren't able to speak for themselves. So Yagana, thank you. I'm going to just roll right into who you are. You are an Afghan woman born in Afghanistan and moved here as a young child. Your father still lives in Afghanistan and you have family there and your life would have been very different had you stayed. I'm so honored that you decided to come today. You are the voice of the women from your country and I look forward to getting to know you better and your story. So tell us about your family's story, the history of your family and your family today. Thank you, Tanya. Um, Wow, that's uh, a lot to be representing Afghan women on your show, but I will try to do my best. Um, so, of course, I'm an immigrant to Canada from Afghanistan. Um, we left Afghanistan because of the Russians. So when the Russians invaded Afghanistan, they were bringing in, obviously, communism and that regime into the country. And so my father decided that it was no longer safe for us to be here. So he literally came home in the middle of the night and said to my mom, pack your bags you're leaving tomorrow morning. So just imagine going through that. I mean, we were young, so we, nothing really, I mean, I don't remember, but this is the story that has been passed on to me. So my mom is like, what, what do you mean? Well, we're going to India. You're leaving tomorrow morning on a flight. We were actually fortunate to leave the way we left Afghanistan. And the reason why we couldn't take anything, because we didn't want to give anybody any attention to that we're fleeing the country, or else we would have never been able to leave. So it was um, March 6th, 1986, that we left Afghanistan, and we came to New Delhi, India. And we just had literally the clothes on our back. And truly, we thought that we were going to be able to go back. You know, in a few months, things are going to settle down. And things just got worse. And it came to a point where my mom said, you know what? I'm not going back there. It's okay that my whole life is there. But my freedom for my children are more important. So we seeked refuge with the United Nations in India. And we came to... Canada as landed immigrants, and we landed in beautiful Winnipeg, Manitoba. <laughs> wow, uh, balmy Manitoba. Wow, winter pig. I think my bones are still cold from there. Oh my I'm gosh. not joking. Did you end up there in the winter? Um, actually, we came to uh, on the to Winnipeg. We landed on April 27, 1990. We lived there for five years and then moved out west to Calgary. 
Um, so it was, it was challenging. It was cold, but you know, we, you know, we were young and we came and we're like, wow, this, this is Canada. Like, where's everybody? (laughs) Yeah, totally. Where's everybody? And I think, you know, it, it was, it was brutal. It was cold, but it was, it was a new life. It was wonderful. Um, but also living in India was, was wonderful. Mm -hmm. That country and their people are amazing. India is a beautiful, colorful country with, so much life, mm-hmm. so much good energy. So I, my sister and I have very good memories from living in India for those few years, right? And so we came to Canada and um, here we are. And so my story is probably not as devastating as many of many, many other countrymen and women, the way they had to flee. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know if you've ever read the book by Khaled Hosseini, The Kite Runner. Yes, yes, a number of years ago. Yes, so a lot of people fled by foot. Yeah. You know, going, traveling through the night. Miles miles miles. and miles. And so I always say, I'm always grateful for everything I have in life. The days that I didn't have anything to the days that I have everything. Mm -hmm. You know, because we never know of our tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And so life in Canada is wonderful. We have our freedom to a certain extent, I would say these days. Um, that's a complete different topic. But I can't help to think that if my country had moved with the rest of the world and we could have been maybe even second world, mm-hmm. you know, how my life would have turned out. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that for a lot of people, it's a gain, but also at the same time, for a lot of people, it's a loss. Mm-hmm. So that is kind of our story. And we were one of the, when we left, we were one of the last people in, in our families to leave. And everybody kind of left where they could get to the fastest. So if you meet any Afghan, we have family all over the world. <laughs> yes. We are just scattered <laughs> everywhere. Um, so there's always a home in in any part of the world for us to go visit family, friends, and and see everyone. But um, I I couldn't be happier. I think I I definitely am very lucky um, to be here. And my heart cries for the women and the children of Afghanistan in this day. Mm -hmm. Because every time I take my kids to school, you know, every time I feed my children, I know there's thousands of children, not just in my own country that is in devastation, but all over the world that don't have that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always grateful to that. And I'm getting emotional because I was hoping that, you know, Afghanistan would excel, you know, continuously grow with the rest of the world. And now it's like we have gone back. Mm -hmm. When I first initially heard um, about the Taliban back in the, I think they were in power in the 90s or whatever. Um, And people were saying, oh, they're doing this, they're doing that. I said, you know, those are all lies. (laughs) There's absolutely no way that this could possibly be true. No, women have their freedom. They can go do things and they can go to school. But wow, was I personally myself shocked because I mean, we left when we were very young. Mm -hmm. So, and, and every family is different. So maybe we were more liberal and whatnot but that was majority of Afghanistan but the true real people of Afghanistan we fled a long time ago so now with all of this it's 
scary and it's devastating. And so your father is still in Afghanistan. Correct. And so what is his safety like right now? So, you know, my father is older. He's retired. Um, We are actually from Western Afghanistan. So we're closer to the Iranian border. Um, So things have always been a little bit better um, on that side as opposed to the capital in Kabul, which we did live in Kabul as well. Um, But he is okay. Mm -hmm. He is okay. But for the first time in his life, I think he is thinking that, you know what, it, it is time to leave. Mm. It's time to go. But I think, you know, as you grow older and, you know, you have your lives and you go through relationships and different things, you, you grow as an individual and you become more understanding of people's decisions. And so I think that, you know, my father had many chances to leave. But he was very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Of course, and he grew up there, and he—that was—that's—it's what he knows. Exactly. And I, you know, he's comfortable, and the idea of probably leaving, even though maybe it's not as safe, is even more daunting than you know, yeah, a hundred percent. So I, I can appreciate that absolutely. So do you think that? he will stay there or do you think that he will, will um flee? he has many opportunities yeah. to to leave if he wants to yeah i mean it's a decision that he has to make and he has you know we are all here for him to support him in any way that we possibly can mm-hmm. um when he's ready but right now i think in afghanistan this is the calm before the storm yes yeah so we have to wait till things settle down a little bit and then try to help him get out of the country yeah yeah and what about the um like you know i've i've listened to you know a lot of people speak about it i've been watching the news as as many have and so can you paint a picture of what it would be like today to be an afghan woman there today now that the taliban have taken over government officials have fleed you know um what do they have any rights at the moment? Um, you know, what does that look like? Ooh, I'm getting goosebumps. Um, so, I mean, I can't possibly speak for what's going through their minds. Yes. You know, my accessibility is just as limited as yours. But the only difference where I may have some stories of what currently is going on through friends and mm-hmm. through my mom's families and so forth, so on. But women are marching the streets right now, Tanya. Mm-hmm. I saw that. Women are marching the streets. They are standing up for their rights Mm -hmm. because these barbaric humans that are there, that's not a way of life. That is not how women should be treated. Could you believe it? Could you just imagine, Tanya, you're a successful agent in this city. One day, everything is taken away from you. You can't do nothing. For what reason? So... An example, one of our family members, um, she was working in an office and she went in to go get her paychecks. And of course, those barbaric humans are now everywhere with guns standing, you know, and they're like, what are you doing here? And, you know, a rough manner. And she's like, well, I worked in this office and I'm here to pick up my paychecks. What paychecks? You don't get paid. Go home and stay home, woman. Wow. This is what they're told. Yeah. So we have gone back, I don't know, centuries. Years. Yeah. 
years. So it's devastating for women. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that I'm afraid for what's going to happen to them. Even though that they're saying that they have changed, I don't think so. It seems like a front to me. I, I uh, Like you said, the calm before the storm. Correct. And they, I mean, they've reintegrated or implemented Sharia law, which sounds just devastating and horrific and scary and I can't imagine being a woman or a man there I can't I mean I read something that same thing like people were lined up to take their their money out of the banks Um, I saw a video that their the military when the military were still occupying Kabul they there was a a woman that threw her baby up in the air over this barbed wire fence so the u.s military could catch their baby correct because the life that their baby would have in the u.s is better than they would have in their own country and i just i bawled when i saw that i reposted it on instagram and i just thought and i remember at first i was on the treadmill and i thought that biden had sent in five thousand troops to take out the taliban when in (laughs) fact he sent troops there to just get people out like like people that were um you know u.s citizens working for the u.s the military and i just i read this article yesterday and this afghan woman was in the streets and she said everyone has abandoned us the world has abandoned us and i just burst out in tears, which I feel I'm doing a lot lately. And, <laughs> As uh, am I, it's okay. And uh, I was just, my heart just ached. I just thought the world has abandoned you. Like, you know, and I, I you feel so helpless. And, you know, those are the times when I, I really sit back and to your point, you know, you take your son to school every day. You have a great real estate career. You have the freedom to work, the freedom to collect your paycheck and know that you're going to be able to pick it up. And these women, it feels like almost overnight, have lost that. And uh, it was the, I I had a little bit of hope when I heard that, I think it was the Pushtun Valley, the, yeah, that they were still, yeah, yeah, the Puncher Valley and the rebels were still occupying it. Mm -hmm. And I thought maybe there's a glimmer of hope. And then I read the next day that the Taliban now occupy the valley. You know, it's, that necessarily is, is not a bad thing because they were war, ward lords. Mm, So, um, like, you know, I was mentioning earlier, I don't want to get too political, Yes, you know, and, but every person that's been in power in Afghanistan has sold the country. Yeah. Okay. Including this, this guy that I also thought was a hope, um, you know, for Afghanistan, but I think he fled the country (laughs) apparently, and he wanted to divide the nation. I mean, Afghanistan is the size of Manitoba. Tanya. Yeah, it's, it's so not small. very big. No. It's very small and it's stunningly beautiful. So, um, but I mean, if we look at the history and, you know, the political side of things, which I don't, like I said, you know what, we won't talk about the politics of it, but we can get back to some questions that you may have. But for me. Yeah, no. I, sorry. Yeah, I no. could go on about <laughs> that, but you know, there it's just if you know, this is going to air and there's going to be so much backlash. Yeah. You know, because just imagine right now in North America, the world is so divided yeah. due to their political views. 
And it's the same thing, unfortunately, in Afghanistan. Yeah. But you always have to be on the right side of history. <laughs> Whatever right? that means. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> that can mean a lot of things. <laughs> 100%. So now that the Taliban are in rule and have implemented Sharia law, you know, we talked about the calm before the storm, like, and I know you can't, you know, foresee the future. You know, what What do you think that that looks like? Like, we're obviously, you know, these women are going to go back in, to your point, centuries. I said years, but you're probably right, centuries. Mm-hmm. And are they going to be really prisoners within their own country? I think if the Taliban are going to continue to be in power, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that already they're, they're not allowing children to go back to school. Oh, which is so tragic. Super tragic. Can you imagine... Education is the key to life. Yes. You know, so they are putting their own country back. Yeah. You know, and the amount of university students in Herat were majority female than male. Wow. And in the entire country, I think. So women are really out, you know, they're ambitious. They have, they finally had hope. They were going somewhere and now they've gone backwards. But Going back to Sharia law, I mean, if, if these barbaric human beings followed it properly, there is nothing wrong with Sharia law. It gives women rights. If we go back to Islam, Prophet Muhammad Wasallam, his wife was a businesswoman. Wow. She was a working class woman. And this is the stuff that people don't know because of misrepresentation of our Islam. Mm-hmm. Control. Control. Control and I don't know what the other word is to use right now, but absolutely control. Why shouldn't women have rights? We birth you, men, (laughs) for goodness sakes. God loves us that much to give us that much more power in life than them. Men Men might be physically more powerful than, than women. But literally in the Quran it says, it states, heaven is under your mother's feet. Wow. So those barbaric human beings who are pushing women and not allowing children to go to school, they have to think about their tomorrow. If they're standing up for Islam, where is their end going to be? Yeah. How do they feel when they're pushing women on the streets, protesting for their lives and beating them and hitting them. I just, I can't imagine. So how, and this may be a silly question, how, what, okay, so you fled in 1986, your family fled in the middle of the night. Yeah. Is that what, like how, how difficult is it going to be for a mother to now take her family out of Afghanistan? Is that, can she even do that? So, like a, like currently, like a yeah. single mom? Um, I mean, I don't think so because I think it, my father was the one who did that for us. Mm-hmm. So, again, at the end of the day, regardless of women are going out and about and doing things, there are some things that only men can get through, yeah. you know? And... My father had a lot of good connections in Afghanistan. He knew the who's of the who's, and he got done like this. 
Hence why I'm saying that we were one of the fortunate ones mm -hmm. to leave when we left and how we left, yeah. you know? So, and I think, you know, that's part of, probably part of his reason why he wanted to continue staying, mm -hmm. right? So, so when you are sitting with your family today mm -hmm. here in Canada, yeah. is your husband also Afghan? Um, actually, my husband is Austrian-German. Oh, love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and, and that's the other thing with my family is that no one ever forced us you know, to be like, you need to marry Afghan or you need to do this. The only thing that is super important to me personally and for my, I mean, everybody's different, but to have the same religion, mm -hmm. right? And so Ben converted into Islam on its own without me even knowing really yes wow so and believe it or not he he is a farmer from manitoba isn't that something so we were the living things you in, do for love things you do for love but you know what i think it's important for for people to do that for themselves mm -hmm. i would never ever force that upon anybody you know if it's in your heart and you believe it and this is something that you want to do then for you're welcome to do what you want to do. I, I but, don't know if I've never met it. If I looked at your husband, if he's German and you said German and German Austrian. Austrian. Yeah. And you know, he, you know, if I was, you know, meeting him at a cafe and he opens up the Quran, I'd probably look at him and be like, <laughs> Oh, this is cool. This it's is like, cool. It's like I have a, a client and I met him for the first time. He bought a house. He's from Vancouver and yeah. he sends me his ID. He's, he's Asian and yeah. he has a very Asian name. And when I, when I talked to him on the phone, He's he uh, British. He's no. no he's uh, New Zealand. He's oh, oh no, sorry. He's South African. South so, African. Sorry, South African. Yeah. So it, it throws you off, right? You, Completely. And, and it's so funny. So I met him for the first time, and he's this you know really well dressed Asian guy, and then he has this really thick South African accent. <laughs> and you're like, wow. I know it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um. So when you're sitting with your family, whether it be your husband or your your you know your your cousins, sisters, brothers, mom, whatever. Yeah. What, and this is happening in your country, what is the conversation around the table? Oh, lordy lord. So the conversation around the table is that I stand for humanity mm -hmm. before I stand for any political party. I cry for my people. I cry for especially the children. You know, I wish that I could take every single one of them and give them a hug and say, it's going to be okay. Yeah. You know, it's going to be okay. And the conversation around the table, um, unfortunately, is, you know, a little too political for me. And, you know, I am a believer of the Almighty. And I think that a lot of us forget that at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And really politicized too much mm -hmm. and and so i i say to my mom my aunts uncles whomever my sister when we have conversations and i say you know what i i get it you know this is the reason why we left because of this political party and and that but we have to look at humanity mm -hmm. um so the conversations are like i said too political for me and I get it because I'm more connected, obviously, with my mother's side of the family. And they're very, they come from strict, 
military style, you know, very square um, family where my father's side of the family are entrepreneurs and, you know, everything is lovely and, and you know, it, they're, they're two different breeds, but also two very wonderful families. Of course. You know, yeah. so... Different belief system. Different belief systems, you know, people look at things differently. And you know what? I did go... I don't think I shared this with you, but I went back to Afghanistan in 2008 mm. um, to see my father. So I, I needed that closure because I was very connected with my father. Um, so I needed that closure. You know, I was going to travel Southeast Asia already so I was like well I'm gonna skip and hop away I might as well go see him it's okay um and you know when when I did go there um it was it was devastating because you could see a brand new building and then right beside it like seen out of a movie like bullet wounds like everything and then I'd walk the streets and I would see so many kids trying to sell you stuff and I'm like going what what are they doing here shouldn't they be in school and then and then I had to realize that hey where are you? You know? Um, and believe it or not, uh, a taxi driver that drove us, I had, because, I mean, I was almost a tourist in my home, but I asked, I said, do you feel better about, you know, having your freedom and the Taliban being gone? And, you know, and he goes, you know, I'll tell you one thing. And I was in Kabul. He goes, we had more security and safety when the Taliban were here. Wow. Yes. Because what happened recently, so much corruption, so much kidnapping. If they found out you had a little bit of money or you were coming from abroad, it was, it was scary. Well, I, I remember I was uh, I was in Israel a couple years ago. Yeah. Oh, loved Israel. Yeah. And um, we were on the Syria-Israeli border. Yeah. And we were in a military base. And uh, we were able to visit it. And the tank was literally sitting on the, the, the Syria border. It was yeah. crazy. And I Googled the most dangerous country to travel in the world. And at that time, Syria was number one and Afghanistan wow. was number two. As, as what like year a, was this, sorry? Two years ago. Two years ago. Two years yeah. ago. Syria was one, Afghanistan yeah. was two. And see, I wonder where they get that from because the, the Afghan community in Calgary is getting larger by the day. Yeah. And every other week, people are going back home, they visiting were. their family. Well, they were, that's correct. Up, literally up till a month yeah. ago. You know, mm. people were constantly going, coming, you know, celebrating, seeing loved ones. You know, everything was great. And so that's why I took the opportunity to go see my dad because now I was finally able to, right? Because there was no safety before when the Taliban yeah. were there. A plane didn't even land in Afghanistan. So imagine that. Sounds like more like North Korea. Ooh, North Korea, Cuba, you name it, wow. right? Like if you've, if, if you've been to Cuba... People can't get out of that country either, right? Wow. Yeah. Wow, it just it's uh, it makes it more real when you, you know you talk about it because it's uh, you know it is one thing to hear it on the media, but to hear it from you that you know your family and even you going back there that you know experiencing a small portion of that is um, yeah wow. 
what yeah. what can we do as Canadians? You know, I feel oftentimes so helpless watching the TV, and I just sit there and cry, which I've done a lot of. <laughs> yes. So what like what can the average person do? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? You know, uh, so I I am on the same boat. Yeah. You know, uh, Tanya, I'm on the same boat. What can we do? Pray. Um, pray. In Islam, it says that if you touch one person, you have touched mankind. Mm. Right? So we always sponsor a family that we know of. Right? And so in the last, I don't know, seven, eight years, we've been able to help them build a home, mm. you know, for them. And that's one specific family that we know are, are, are truly there and what they're doing with the money and how it's being spent. I know there's tons of organizations that you can donate to, but sometimes sponsoring an orphan, you know, within Afghanistan would be absolutely amazing. There are so many things. There's lots of organizations out there, a lot in the U.S. that I know of, but in Canada... I don't know of any mm. currently. But, I mean, with new immigrants, refugees coming into the country, it would be great, you know, to even go and say hello to them mm -hmm. and welcome, and welcome them. them, right? Yeah. Um, which will create really happy, good memories for them. Mm -hmm. But I think even the youth coming in, what they just went through mentally and emotionally. I can imagine you know, providing a support system, mm -hmm. a group, maybe gathering a whole bunch of, you know, kids that are coming in within the same age group mm -hmm. and helping them cope mm -hmm. with how they were just traumatized coming from that country. Those are some of the things that we could do. Um, I mean, along with many, many charities that are out there. But I think that if you individually try to find a family or an orphan or somebody I think that would be amazing because remember there's millions of people that are still there yes that are going to be starving because they don't have the opportunity to seek refuge mm -hmm. right and so the people that you know we saw in the news in that horrific scene of the plane and mm -hmm. I think a lot of people talked about why did the plane take off in the first place mm -hmm. You know, um, but, you know, all those people rushing to the airport, it's because they were so deadly scared for their lives because they worked with the American government, you know, the German government, the, all these officials, whomever was there, the Italian government. They were stranded because they knew that once the Taliban were, are going to start looking for them, their lives are in danger. They would be dead because they would be considered traitors to their country. So those were the people trying to flee and seek freedom, something that absolutely was promised by the government of the United States of America. And that is how it's like a scene out of a movie. I'm sure we've seen so many, you know, Hollywood movies where the government turns on you, where you're working for them, mm -hmm. but now they're against you. So we see that in real life today in Afghanistan. Yeah, that's how those people are feeling. That's how they're there. feeling. They're literally with pieces of paper. This is what's been promised yeah. to us. Show this and we, we, we will yeah. get you out no matter what. So imagine how they feel. Mm -hmm. Very betrayed. Betrayed. Yeah. Betrayal. A hundred percent. 
Is, so the main language is Farsi. Correct. And so, again, this is maybe a, a, my own ignorance and not knowing a whole lot about Afghanistan. But, no, okay. you know, when we when we hear about the refugees that are coming here, are they, what would their English be like? Would they know English or would they just know Farsi? So I think now, like if they were obviously working with the governments, absolutely they know how to speak English, right? Um, so there's a lot of English classes in Afghanistan, tons so they should know some. I mean, my what mom... What about the kids? Like the younger children, though? Oh. That are coming... Like, you know, you come here as a refugee. That's you, right. You know. They probably don't. Yeah. You know, and they would have to do some ESL classes. Yeah. You know, so again, you know, getting in contact with with uh, the organizations that are supporting the refugees mm-hmm. to come into Canada. And again, organizing, you know, once once a week you know, for these children to even teach them, you know, I would love to be a part of that, you know, to lend a helping hand to my own countrymen, just the way that I came, Mm -hmm. you know, so that would be wonderful. And also, Tanya, you having this podcast and having me here is a form of help. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's a voice that is being heard. And you yourself learning your colleagues, that in itself is a help. Thank you. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure. I'm so thankful you're here. And I, I did um, go online and uh, the Calgary Catholic Immigration uh, Society. Right. Yeah, yeah, they, it sounds like, are going to be, I don't know if you call it sponsoring, but they are going to be um, taking in refugees and I think already have. Uh, but I think there's more to, to come. And uh, I believe that they are looking for donations and, and probably a good organization to, to reach out to. Um, because I, I can't, I'm just, you know, I can't imagine as a child moving, having to flee your country, thinking you're probably never going to see it again, coming to a foreign country that provides you safety, um, would probably be a, you know, you'd feel really good about it, but it's, it's this, I'm leaving what I know to go to a country that will provide me safety, but I don't know the language. I don't know the people. Are people going to accept me? What are people... Like, I can only imagine the things going through these kids, their minds. 100%. But guess what, Tanya? Freedom is worth it. Yeah, they have freedom. So for them, it's going to be so exciting. Yeah. If their parents have talked to them that, hey, you get to do whatever you want. There's not going to be bombs. (laughs) There's not going to be rockets. There's not going to be a suicide bomber. Those children are so happy to have to be in safety, to have their freedom, to have the opportunity to go to school, yeah. to have the opportunity to walk on the streets and not feel that they are going to get bombed. Oh my gosh, I can't I can't imagine that feeling of yeah, it would be freedom will freedom. taste better for them, Tanya. I remember when we were uh, at this little cafe, also close to the Syrian border, and um, we were chatting with these teenage girls, because in Israel, you have to serve in the military there after you you know, you know, graduate when you're 18. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the girls uh, lived two kilometers from the, she grew up in, in this farming community from the Syrian border. And I said, what was it like, you know, hearing bombs and like growing up with that? And she said, oh, you just, you get used to it. She said, you don't really... You don't really notice it after a while. And I just thought, wow, like that, that was like, call it an aha moment of like, wow, we have it so good here. Like, Correct. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's different for you knowing that you have it good and it's mm-hmm. going to be different for me knowing that I had it good because I'd seen yeah. that part of the world and here we are today so we have to appreciate everything that we have yeah it's it's so true and I I hear it from people who have immigrated here from other countries even my personal trainer Philip he goes back he just got back from Uganda he is a non-for-profit there and he builds schools gets funding uh, does fundraisers and he's an amazing human and every time he comes back he says Tanya we have it so good in this country you have no idea yes says it exactly like (laughs) one of this really deep Ugandan accent he's like we are so lucky like he is like and he's just got come back from this country where people are starving and people don't have education and you know, you're peddling in the street as a four-year-old. And he is just always such a good reminder for me that we are so blessed to so be blessed. here. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Well, Yagana, thank you so much for being our guest here and sharing your story. And um, you've given our listeners, you know, just maybe a little snippet of what it is like to grow up there, to flee from Afghanistan to be there today. And um, I just encourage any of our listeners with whatever they can do, uh, to your point, find a family, um, look at the, uh, the Catholic, uh, the immigration, the Catholic Immigration Society and see if you can um, donate, sponsor. We're going to have refugees that have come and that will continue to come and into Calgary. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there's anything that you can do um, to help out these families that are coming to just such a a different environment, a safe environment. Um, I know you gotta, you'd be appreciative of that as well. Absolutely, and and I'm already thanking every single organization um, within our beautiful Canada um, for welcoming, you know, my country men and women, and especially the children. Yes. And um, I hope that their experience is amazing Mm -hmm. and I'm sure it will be Mm -hmm. and of course times will be tough at the beginning but they will get through it and it will be better but I think we need to focus a little bit more on their mental health Mm -hmm. and how traumatizing it has been for them so with with all the help that we are getting you know with donations and clothing and whatnot but I mean, we could certainly use some psychologists, mm-hmm. some counselors. Those anybody. kids will maybe need it for years. I for mean, you years. probably even go through PTSD coming from a country that is really in war right now. That's really yeah. what it is. Yeah. Uh, warfare. Warfare, um, yeah. You know, I would imagine that they would come here and probably have PTSD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The women, the children, the men. The men. Doesn't, of course. You know, I mean, that there were, I think sometimes we're, we're forgetting about the men too, yeah. but with, with the Taliban, it's more harmful, obviously, mm-hmm. for, for the women mm-hmm. and, and children and the education system. Mm-hmm. I don't know where their mindset is. Yeah. I don't understand. You know, we have been at war for way too long and it was nice to know that finally we were able to go back and and enjoy and now it's just completely backwards again Mm -hmm. so that's sad that that 
is what makes me cry at night. Yeah, that's what keeps you up at night. That's what keeps me up. That's what keeps the tears going. Yeah. You know, and as much as I have to shut it down, but, you know, because I can't have my kids looking at me crying all the time, you know, being emotional. So it's it's been hard, but mm-hmm. we'll get through it. Mm-hmm. Yagana, what have you vowed to yourself in your life? I have vowed to myself to always choose happy. Mm. And I think changing my mindset constantly in choosing happy and the key to life is always smiling no matter what. So that is something that I have always promised myself, something that I embed in my children's heads choose happy and I know that that might be a little bit hard these days with so many things going on but my vow in life is to choose happy if that makes any sense it does I think you know if you can be happy most of the time I mean no one's happy a hundred percent of the time but Mm -hmm. if you can choose joy and happiness I believe that there's love in there as well. And I do believe that love prevails. I think it all goes back to what you said about, you know, humanity. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I, I do get that. I, I understand. And like you said, it's not always easy. No. But if you can be in those moments where you have a choice, you have a choice to treat someone with love and joy and happiness or treat someone with resentment and anger and frustration. Correct. Love and joy and happiness always wins. Always. I even think, I'm glad you mentioned that because I even think, you know, if I'm in an argument with my husband, he's such a good diffuser and he'll look at me and he'll be like, babe, is this this worth the argument? Mm. Like, I love you. Is this worth the argument? Like, how do you get mad at that? You can't. Yeah, like, hello. Your husband and my husband (laughs) need to chat. (laughs) I know. Well, they both have like type A strong, like uh, their wives are type A strong personalities. That's right. I'm not saying he always does that, but when he yeah. does it, he's choosing joy. He's choosing he happiness. He's choosing love. Yeah. And that diffuses a tough situation like nobody's business versus if he snaps back at me. Oh, uh, uh, it's uh, a different uh, story then. <laughs> so that's I do. I, I like that, that. That's a good vow. Yes. Thank you. Yagana, thank you so much for being here today and taking time out of your schedule and being the voice of the women in Afghanistan who can't speak and tell their stories. And uh, your story is a beautiful one. It's a story of freedom and love and peace. And thank you for being here. Oh, Tanya, thank you for having me and uh, giving me the opportunity to share a little bit of my story. outside the box and giving you some points that you can apply to your everyday lives. Please subscribe to our podcast, rate us. If there's any suggestions you can make or feedback, we would love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in.